1: Welcome to it. Back with you, weekend edition. Tale of our City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Kraynak, Elijah Herbel is driving it. Welcome in. We are two weeks from today. Kickoff, Big Noon. Kickoff, Nebraska, Ohio State. Lot to get into. A pretty eventful week with media appearances via Zoom for uh, Nebraska's quarterbacks and Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey. Super Mario made an appearance. Which is pretty awesome. Coach Lubick and uh, plenty to get into. Can join us this morning if you're bumping around the capital city. Can stream us ESPNLincoln.com. Numbers to dial up 466 37 76 466 37 76 800 825 five eight six five email chris at halevarsity.com, dot com mark at hailvarsity dot com and get a hold of us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs at herbal essence on Twitter for Elijah. Krainak, brother it's good to chat with you. It's been a year or, or two it feels like man.
2: You know, It has been a little while. It's it's good to be back with you as well, sir. You are doing all right? We we good? We're we're hanging in
1: and um yeah, and uh Elijah did just awesome work uh sitting in for me. Uh and uh and i really appreciate you and the outreach. Uh, dad passed away on the thirtieth of uh, of September. And uh I just think and smile about him a ton, man, especially this time of year with college football season and for sure. Two weeks ago, we were watching the Pirate uh, do his thing against uh, LSU, we were watching K-State do the comeback against Oklahoma, and we almost got the trifecta with uh, Texas and Texas Tech pillow fighting, you know, defense is optional, uh, so, yeah. but no, it's it's just been a whirlwind here last few days, and I of care course. about both of you guys so much, and Cranach, it was awesome to, to see you Monday. I appreciate you and yeah, love you, brother.
2: Well, I'm thinking about you and love you and praying for you and all that, man. You're a great guy. It's great to have you back. And um, let's do this, right? Yeah. Let's, no. Say, and so I appreciate you and, and, and your family.
1: Well, same back to you, cowboy. Uh, we got a lot to get into with Nebraska and so many topics to discuss. And the the thing is this. You've seen some videos that have been put on by by Nebraska football. Uh you have heard from coach Frost either with his radio show or via Zoom and Nebraska has the, the vibe I have and I don't think it's lost on many folks either. Nebraska's got quite a bit of quiet confidence I think about them this year. But more so it's it's a workmanlike attitude where they are just grinding to let their actions do a lot of talking and in, in previous seasons there has been some some chirping by Nebraska about um, just where they are and, and where their standing is in the Big Ten and I don't I, I have thought about that a lot and it, it doesn't dominate my thoughts but I'm I'm interested, you know, because right now you're kind of getting the opposite heading into year three. There's just not a lot of bravado. Not to say that Nebraska isn't confident, but from a verbal standpoint, the head's been it's down. Muted. Yeah, the head's been down and nose has been to said grindstone. I wonder... If we go back, you know, last season with some of the hype and the the back slaps because of how 2018 finished, and then you know Scott Frost is here and the announcement of you know uh, his press conference with you know hope the big Big Ten's got to adjust to us. I'm paraphrasing. I, I wonder if if Frost purposefully the last couple of years has has said some things. Not that he's not confident and not that he's not an uber competitor, I think he he thinks that they can go out and and play hard and win at every game. I mean, I think he has that level of optimism uh just because of of his personality, but put the put the microscope on me versus all right I don't know how good my teams are gonna be. let me get the mm-hmm. the arrows, let me get the pressure. let me be the yes. center of discussion versus. Bro, the the, the D lines hit or miss, or what's going on with the linebackers, or who's at wide receiver? Do you have someone to step in for Stanley? I mean, all those things this year, uh, you, you just kind of have some matter of fact comments. Uh, we're, we're thinking about who's going to step up at outside linebacker. We're thinking about what happens in the quarterback room uh, with uh, this competition. We're also interested in, in you know what what level of contribution can a guy that we've anointed uh in omar manning make what what's what's realistic about his role and and how he's doing right now with football and all those those things are are major puzzle pieces as two weeks from today at 11 o'clock it's it's Ohio State time. It's giddy up time, man. So there's there's a ton to, to unpack there. But level of, of or areas of, of like just blind optimism for you, the Nebraska fan, there's not been a lot you've seen because of COVID. Right. There's a lot of folks that are close to the program that have not seen practices because of COVID. OK, uh, and that's just the truth. No one's really allowed in. It's just that group in the Hawk Center or at Memorial Stadium busting their butt every day to, to have a good 2020. There's some areas that you're still waiting to come around. There's some wait-and-see reality with this football team in 2020. And then there's just flat-out areas of concern because you haven't mm-hmm. seen it to kind of piggyback off of that wait-and-see. So those are three different doors we can try and open if I'm going to pick a spot where I have just blind optimism and I'm going to say look I know the coach at that position group is is really good I know that there's a a ton of career starts I'm going to go offensive line probably really obvious but I would go offensive line where I know you're making a move with uh, Farniak, I know you're looking at a guy and Ben Hart at right tackle that's really young but really talented. And Greg Austin's comfortable with who he's got, comfortable enough to probably kind of throw out a bit of a depth chart when he did his Zoom meeting. And right behind that, I feel really good about Mills. And yep. not too far behind that, I feel good about quarterback. In a bounce back type situation for Adrian. So there's kind of my blind optimism pecking order one, two, three. Uh, and and secondary is probably in there as well. Is there a region or area, crane Act, that you're kind of, uh, you haven't seen a lot, but you feel good that it'll be better and be a strength this year?
2: I think, you know, and then the, it's, I like the way you're putting it too, where it's what, what are the areas that you feel confident that will be competent? Right. You know, it doesn't mean like when you say offensive line, I don't think you're saying that it's going to be, you know, the Aikman Cowboys or anything. Right. It's, or 94
1: it's, Nebraska.
2: Right. It, but it means that they're going to hold their own. They're going to be all right. They're going to be above average in the league. I feel confident in saying that about the offensive line for sure. Um, and I, a close second for me is also uh, Dedrick Mills, because you're settled at running back for the first time. God, you have to go back to what, Abdullah, even when yeah. newbie, even when newbie took over the reins from Abdullah back in 2015, I'm not sure many of us were that confident that he was definitely for sure the guy at that position. We
1: were waiting and on him to do well inside the tackles, running the football.
2: Totally. And you didn't necessarily know that it was his job, right? There was, there was a battle there. Um, now, you know, for sure it is Mills. And like that alone matters, right? Behind Martinez. It's not, you're not messing with Maurice Washington, who's kind of in and out. You're not sort of trying to break into Zigbo and hoping that maybe he rises after getting himself in different shape. I mean, it's been an unsettled position ever since Abdullah left. It just hasn't been locked down. It finally is. But number one for me, I feel like a broken record because I've been saying this, I think, since. Uh, Frost decided to come back uh, to Lincoln, it, it's the secondary for me. Okay. Uh, because it's it, it's not just Travis Fisher that's part of it. Um, and I, you, you hope that it does translate from what I saw with UCF 2017 to Nebraska 2020. It just it, – it, it had barely ever – I had hardly ever experienced – watching a game and then a position group jumps out so much to where you're just like, who the, what, hold on. <laughs> and it made me want to like research <laughs> who the coaches and who these players are. When when you watched the bowl game of Auburn and UCF in, in I guess the year would have been 2018, mm-hmm. but it was 2017 season. I, I could not believe just just how much of an impact that secondary made on the entire team. They were great. You, yeah, right. You had Griffin, and he's absolutely a difference maker. You had sort of an unheralded but very effective, effective defensive line. I mean, it was a team defense, mm-hmm. no question. But the secondary was – I mean, they really made Auburn receivers pay. they They destroyed blocks. They blew up screen passes. They came up and supported in the run game. I mean, that was just a very physical, tone-setting secondary. And I think you've seen flashes of that. Flashes. But I think you had some personnel over the past couple of years, talented as they are, not necessarily physical. In fact, not physical at all. I don't want to say not necessarily Just not physical. But because of their talent level, you, you kind of had to play them. And look, there's a place for those people there's a place for that kind of player. It's fine <laughs> playing in the NFL now. So like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But when, when all you, when your only choices left in the secondary are people that will light you up. I, I mean, I think that's what Nebraska is dealing with in the secondary right now. I think you're dealing, I think Deontay Williams is a headhunter. I think Dismukes a headhunter. I think Boodle's a headhunter. I think Britt's a headhunter. <laughs> I mean, Right. And then, and then there's some young bucks from, from all accounts that you haven't seen a lot of that are the exact same way. And if that's all you have, if those are your only choices in the secondary, are guys that are going to bring the wood, guys that are going to hit, guys that are not scared, and guys that have physical talent and speed, which are, all those names I just named, they have that, right? And then... They also have some experience. I mean, Deontay Williams is like 48 years old. <laughs> I, right? I can't wait to watch him go ball hawk. if He stays right? healthy. Just, yeah. So, yeah, he's not only that. So it's not. So I think, and again, this is us coming from an optimistic point of view. Yeah. Okay. This is what, what are we optimistic about? I am optimistic that the secondary is not going to be a liability. And in fact, could be a plus on your defense and on your team just because of the makeup of those guys. And that's the... That's the thing about the entire team coming into this year. Look, Frost has been—he's been prioritizing the the self starter types on the recruiting trail for several years now. For three years, you're you're so to, to compare it to past staffs. You know, Abdullah was a self starter. Janovich, Riley, Stanley, Morgan, Malik Collins. I mean, you can go down the list players that you don't need to tell to work out players that you don't need to tell to show up to practice and and bring it right. They're just, they're just wired like that. And I think for a number of years recently, especially, I think you had some of those guys, but I don't think it was the rule on the team. I think you had a lot of exceptions to that. And I think that screwed Nebraska up. Right. Because you had these guys that you had to like stay on or maybe they were talented, but their head wasn't right and they didn't give it their all or, you know, they let their bodies kind of fall apart and there wasn't accountability there. I think those days are completely over. And I think more and more, the majority of the team is that type that. And by the way, Frost is that type. Barrett Rood's that type. Greg Austin's that type. Travis Fisher's that type. Like much of the coaching staff that they don't even understand players that don't have that mentality. They don't even know how to relate with them. Right? Like, they just, they just, just don't even, like, what, how, why do we have to be on you about that? Like, your division one, come on. Like, <laughs> they, they don't want to spend any of their time doing that. And I, I just think you have more, I think, the, the, the as time goes on, you are going to end up with, and they're getting there, where your entire team is just that. It's just a bunch of dudes that don't need to be told, to get after it. And they're just going to get after it. And if you have enough of those guys, you're not blinking at this schedule. <laughs> you're not blinking at starting with Ohio State. What was that? Uh, no, I'm
1: I'm saying that you you have illustrated part of that culture topic, right? That that mm-hmm. has been referenced and has been hit on by the head coach and that's the first corner to turn, right now. It comes to translation on field, right? Completely. There, there needs to be some wins. There needs to be more close fourth quarter wins, because that's that's the name of the Big Ten, unless you're Ohio State and Penn State. Even in some instances with Penn State or Ohio State, there's two or three ball games a year. And one of them is kind of a sneak-up game. It could be a road show at Purdue. It could be trying to hang on against Northwestern. God love them, right? Or, you know, does does Sparty decide to give it hell one Saturday? I mean, you got to be living right, and you got to be deep, and you have to be developed, and you really need to, to find a way to be better and execute and take care of the football and all those things that, don't sound real sexy, but are going to be the difference in a 500 division record or a game above 500 division record, or what's your record in one score, one possession games? I'd like to jump in here with uh, with your optimism.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to piggyback on Mark on the second year. I'm not sure what I can say that he didn't already say, mm-hmm. um, besides the fact that there's going to be injuries. As the season goes on, I think the secondary is the deepest group as well. Mm-hmm. You have a guy like Cam Taylor-Britt, yep. who's going to be backed up by Nabab Joseph. you got Quentin Newsom. we've heard good things about. Uh, you got Miles Farmer, Noah Poligates, all these guys who can come up and step in and, and fill a role uh, in case there is an injury, because playing an eight-game conference schedule, uh, there's going to be injuries, and from what we've heard, as Mark said, all these guys love to hit. And we haven't had a secondary like that since the Bo Pelini years, I'd argue. It's but been the, a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah. It has been a while, and yeah you're not going to have to tell those you're not going to have to hope they turn into a physical player or something' like that. There, Nebraska's going to trot out on the field with a fast and physical secondary. We can say that I can say that with hundred percent confidence. Does that mean they beat Ohio State or Penn State? No, but it gives them a fighting chance <laughs> because if you don't roll out with that, you have no chance so you're already, ir- you're already hinting at taking the points. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then, you know what? Surprisingly, I look, optimism again. Is, this isn't certainty. I am optimistic that special teams will be. Ah, a, I, I was going to say why. that. <laughs> here's why. Here's why. Optimistic. I didn't say I'm certain. I said I'm optimistic. It can't get worse. Sure. It cannot get worse. What so a way to go. <laughs> I mean, oh. seriously. Like. How many kickers did Nebraska have last year? Seven. I don't know, 100? man. Hundred. What? I, 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 I don't. I don't know. Turning right. into kicker. Like, I mean, come on. It was brutal last. Year. I mean, brutal. I, collectively, that had to have been the worst special teams outfit in America. Like, collectively, had to,
1: right? Just you aren't going to find you aren't going to find a team in college football. That was worse with momentum-swinging special teams' gaffes. Oh. That that absolutely changed the script of a football game. And what happened? It it ended up being an energy zapper. And we're thinking Wisconsin, right, for sure. Iowa. Iowa, for sure. I mean, look at Thursday night for the NFL. You get a kickoff return. After you're up 13, Rip, if you're Tampa, and it, it's, it's a kickoff guy that takes it from a nine yards deep that brings it out to midfield for Chicago. Cordero Patterson. Patterson. Oh. It, just, it just circles at the highest level what special teams is. We talk about three phases. Let's be straight. We focus on offense and defense, but there's your decider is you got to win two of the three phases.
2: Like, and you have to, I mean, at this level, you, you, a forty-yard field goal—you pretty—you have to be like ninety-five percent confident that thing's going through the uprights. That should be automatic. Yeah, you couldn't. Frosthead did not have that last year. No. And you're all—you already have an offense that it, in the red zone is already going to be—it's—it's kind of tough, right? Just because of the style of offense. Like, if you look across the board, a lot of the style, a lot of the teams that run this style of offense, they're not great in the red zone. They're just not. They score off they, big plays. Right. They score on big plays. They're they they spread the field vertically and horizontally like they need that space mm-hmm. in order for the the offense to really come to life. And then as soon as that gets compressed, you know, it's just it's just harder, um, especially for these styles. So you have to be able to count on getting those chip shot. Field. You couldn't count on that. You also couldn't count on. Think about this. Why did Wisconsin and Iowa, why were they able to return? Um, kicks for touchdowns because the, Nebraska didn't have a kicker that could kick touchbacks. They couldn't. Like, just imagine if you had a guy like. Start from Kermologer the 25, added, do it now. Who just punts it, who just crushes it through the uprights on a kickoff, and then there's no return at all. So I'm, I'm not even talking about like kickoff return coverage. <laughs> I, those, the, the kickoff return coverage unit, had to cover more kicks than probably any team in America. Of course, they were going to give up a couple. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, so I have a lot of optimism that it's it will not be worse than that. It just, I mean, no way. I mean, you were seriously pulling in kickers that were like walk on safeties. Like, hey, didn't you kick in junior high? <laughs> we all did. Some of us were better than others. Hey, didn't you play soccer? No, I didn't I forgot even the best one. Remember the kid I I forget his name already. I'm sorry. But remember the kid who was a he's like a club soccer player?
1: Yeah, well, he's the dude who drilled the 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 winner against Northwestern, didn't he?
2: I know. And like bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> like so cool, like such a cool story. But I don't want that story. <laughs> right? I just want a dude with a thunder leg. That I don't, you know, that is just that just kicks the ball through the, like, that's just a competent kicker, not some not a guy that's been playing soccer on the club team. <laughs> You're so desperate, you have to like put out a casting call across campus. Take Note out an to ad in self the in
1: 2020: does not want feature story on the guy that used to sell
2: live bait that's now a holder. No, we don't need that. <laughs> You don't need that. So I have optimism. You got this. You got this punter from Australia now, Daniel Churney. Churney's, Churney's money, right? And he's yeah, that guy's he's a beast. And everybody that's gone through the development program in Australia, that he just went through, like I mean, those guys are just the ones that keep winning Luke Rose's and keep going to the NFL. So I don't know. I feel better about it. I don't know how we could feel worse. I like Colt too.
1: Connor Culp, LSU, Uh, yeah, guy won the transfer, right? Yeah, guy won the job as a freshman and got beat out because LSU's done pretty good things with their field goal kicking the last several years.
2: So so when when we say all this, I know we can get into it more later, but there there are two areas that just jump out as areas of concern for me. Mm -hmm. Two main position receiver. I think you have some people there. I think you have some talent. I think you have some speed. I think you have like two combined catches ever on the college level. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you know they don't have a lot of experience there. And so, yeah, like yeah, I know Omar Manning's the man, but now he's going against an NFL secondary week one. Mm-hmm. Same with Marcus Fleming. Same with Xavier Betts. Same with Levi Falk. Devontae right? like,
1: Brown. I mean, what do you what do you get? We'll we'll dive into. talent. Yeah, we'll dive into the wideouts. We'll. Hit D line and, and linebacker. Linebacker, outside linebacker is man. That was item number one for for Coach Frost uh, when he talked uh, this week. And uh, again, you've got some bodies, and I think you know everywhere Dawson's been, and he was just with the Giants. Their outside backers did really well. We're talking career high in sacks and pressures and he wasn't necessarily working with a bunch of Von Miller type dudes, right? I mean, he's working with NFL players, but so I don't doubt when we get back to optimism about his ability to to coach and teach, but you're, you're, you're just waiting on some guys specifically a Caleb Tanner that uh, has the skill set, right? Can, can he get uh, unleashed off the edge? Do you get uh, a, a, and we know that, Jojo is super talented and very effective in this defense and you've seen him make plays can you get a little bit more discipline and he'd be the first to tell you that that was uh that was that was an issue from time to time because he wanted to to go make that splash play and you also gotta follow through with your responsibility on on contain so A lot more to get into. Weekend edition of Hail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal producing. Uh, We'll do a rewind. Great stuff. Some pretty good insight on Nebraska and Ohio State as things get kicked off in two weeks. Uh, College Game Days, Brad Edwards next. That's our rewind. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: With Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Crayner.
1: We welcome in Brad Edwards, college football insider with ESPN College Game Day. At J Brad Edwards on Twitter's, where you find him. Brad, great to talk to you again. We're uh, getting geared up for another big weekend of college football. How you doing?
5: Oh, I'm I'm doing okay. And uh, yeah, the uh, the Eddie Van Halen thing was. Uh, was big yesterday for anyone who, uh, who grew up in the, in the eighties. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine anyone who tried to, uh, to play guitar <laughs> in the, uh, in the eighties or, or even the early nineties who, who, wasn't in some way influenced by him, and uh, and and also just kind of in awe of what he was able to do. So, um, yeah, that was one I had to introduce my daughter uh, to him last night on YouTube. And uh, she had her, her jaw open uh, or dropped, you know, as, as she was watching. First of all, was amazed at what he could do on the guitar. Second, was amazed that he would play that long. You know, because kids today hmm. are not used to songs lasting much more than three and a half minutes. Sure. So uh, the, fact, the, the fact that he could have the attention span to play guitar for that long is impressive to her.
1: Did you, uh, did you have a, a I'm going to learn guitar and, and, and be like Eddie Phase
5: no, I, I didn't. Um, in fact, I was in college before I even attempted to uh, to try to learn how to play guitar. And even then, it was only <laughs> acoustic. I was never really interested in electric. Uh, sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I I messed around with it enough that I can watch his videos and look at his fingers and just I, I can't comprehend how someone can do that.
1: That's pretty cool. Now he was he was a good time man and makes me smile. Thinking of uh, all the fun I had listening to Van Halen, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, let me let me say this: uh-huh. I, I am—I would assume I'm in the minority. I'm not sure how big uh, of a minority it is of people who actually liked Van Halen better with Sammy Hagar than with David Lee Roth. Oh, well, I'm a Diamond Dave guy. <laughs> okay, see, yeah, see, I, I, I was—I was never crazy about. I like some of their songs, but i I've was not crazy about uh,
3: David Lee Roth.
1: Well, and, and I was talking to Elijah here, Elijah's younger than I am. And the way he was introduced to hot for the teacher was the varsity blues scene where it's the English teacher on stage. Oh.
5: <laughs> yeah. Different, different generation, right? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah no I kid. mean, they, they get, there's so many, so many covers of these songs now that I, I'm, I'm really amazed my kids, how many like 80 songs they know. And most of them, they know because of because of covers or because of movies that these songs have ended up in. Yeah. And uh, and, and so a lot of times, I'll, I'll reference a song, and I'm like, I know you don't know this because you're too young. And then they know the song, and I'm like,
0: How have you ever heard this
5: song
3: before? But that's how.
0: Yeah, uh, the first time I heard of David Lee Roth actually uh, was that stupid Adam Sandler Hanukkah song. Okay, and it's okay. like David Lee yeah. Roth yeah. lights menorah, yeah. yeah. and I was yeah. like, "Who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> so yeah. let me Google. The, uh,
1: no, David Lee Roth was was the '80s brother. Uh, he was it was crazy. Yeah. Let's get into some football, and this was fun to talk music for a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, well, Nebraska's gearing up here. A couple weeks yet till uh, Ohio State with uh, the big red heading to Columbus and all those cutouts in, in Buckeye Stadium. Uh, you know, we're, we're pretty intrigued about some of the young guys with the defensive line for Nebraska. Uh, also, the quarterback spot is, is deeper, but offensive line's also a, a, you know, a position of strength, we think, for Nebraska. But, Brad, you've seen a lot of wide receivers uh, around the country, and you've seen a lot of places kind of jumpstart offenses in their program. Uh, and, and I think of programs that may have been dormant or, or struggling with consistency, find success. And I think of Nick Saban and, and Julio Jones, right? That was his first big bet yeah, when he yeah. got to Bama. But just spend a second here on on what you think uh, a, a enhanced wide receiver room couldn't do, where you, you have dudes and playmakers and, and athletes in those skill spots how it can really stress different defenses in the Big Ten.
5: Well, that's where I think it starts in today's college football is with the passing game. I I think you'd have to be hiding under a rock to not recognize that we've gotten to a point where today, as as much as us old-timers love to say defense (laughs) wins championships, and I'm not saying defense isn't important even when you get to a national championship game, but I think we've now gotten to the point where the very best defenses in the country – cannot keep up with the very best offenses. And, you know, e- even games like that. Well, look, last year, Clemson was arguably the best defense in the country. If it wasn't them, it was probably uh, Georgia. Sure. And those two teams both played LSU late in the season, and LSU wiped the field with both of them. So, I mean, that. and look, every every year there's not a Joe Burrow, but offenses just keep getting better and better overall. And And, and on the offensive side – it has shifted from being able to run the ball to being able to throw the ball that makes an offense much more dangerous. And as much as as we look at offensive lines and we want to see these big guys just pancake people and open up holes big enough to drive a truck through, the truth is what adds the most value to an offense is for an offensive line to be able to give the quarterback plenty of time to throw. I mean, as long as you've got a quarterback good enough and receivers good enough, you are going to do a lot more damage by having time to throw than you are by opening up holes to run through. And that's just the facts, you know, that you can, you can get 75 yards a lot faster on a pass than, than you can running the ball. And I don't just mean by the stopwatch. I mean, you're going to, if you look at the number of of explosive plays in college football, way more of them are going to come from pass plays than they are from run plays. And so uh, that's a long way of just getting to the point that I, I think that if you're going to be elite and especially offensively elite in college football today you need a really good quarterback and you need playmakers that he can throw the ball to and uh, and so if, if I were you know kind of in a general manager role or a, or given a, a job of head coach and told to build a program um I'm going to start with the quarterback, obviously, and then the next thing I'm going to look for are receivers. And then, by the way, the next thing I'm going to look for after that are DBs who can cover those receivers.
1: (laughs) You're absolutely right. And there's a lot of hype, and um, there's a lot of uh, excitement for the the, the group that Nebraska has coming in at wide receiver. Of course, Wandale Robinson uh, had a really good freshman year. But he's, got, he, he's going to have some help with him, it sounds like, uh, splitting out for, for Adrian uh, to throw the ball to or, or whoever. But Scott Frost really loaded up on the receiver room. Omar Manning's a name that, man, the world wanted. He ended up going to JUCO, left uh, TCU, and we're excited to see him. Do some things uh, in 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 red uh, for Nebraska home and away. Uh, I thought.
5: Yeah. Now, Chris, here, here's the downside. By the way, yes. the downside to opening up with Ohio State, just based on what I've seen over the first, those, I don't know what it is, five weeks. Those now defensive season, backs. <laughs> well, no, the downside of opening up with Ohio State is that the teams that we expected to be the best, uh, along with Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, mm-hmm. offensively, have started the season. Exactly where they left off last year. You know that that uh, we've seen other teams that have kind of struggled out of the gate, but the ones that had a, a quarterback who had some experience and you know have explosive receivers, and you just kind of knew their pass game was going to be tough to stop. Those have all been you know everything that you expect them to be like right out of the gate, and so. That's the concern. As much as you might look at a, okay, Georgia first half against Arkansas, and you kind of hope for that, well, the truth of the matter is Georgia started a, a freshman who had never played a college football mm-hmm. game. He didn't look good, and they ended up going to a walk on who basically just. Kind of played the role of game manager for the for the rest of it, and 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 you're obviously not getting that with Justin Fields in Ohio State. So <laughs>
3: no, you're that's not. The,
5: that's the unfortunate thing is that as many teams as there have been that have looked you know sluggish and rusty and whatever in their first game, the ones that that we kind of expected to have the best offenses were not among them.
1: You're right; they are coming back loaded up, so it is going to be uh, an amazingly difficult task for. The Nebraska defense and, and we'll see if it can be uh be a shootout. I wanna go to Clemson here and as we look at this weekend here, where are you at with Miami? I mean, they've got a quarterback for the first time in a while. Uh, Miami seems to be doing okay. There's there's a, a smaller number next to their name. We've seen this movie before. Is it a is it a more competitive contest or is Clemson just going to do Clemson things this weekend?
5: I think Clemson's probably going to do Clemson things because this is the first time in maybe four years, um, it's at least three, that there's been a conference game that people have actually circled for Clemson and said, you know what, they could get a test here. Mm. And and I, I think it's an opportunity for Clemson to instead of just, you know, be the game that everyone else has circled, they can circle one themselves and say, okay, this is... This is a chance for us to, you know, to, to to stand up and show what we got and maybe to you know, make fools out of the people who this week are going to say they think Miami has a chance and all that stuff. And so uh, to, to have a motivated Clemson team in a conference game, it just, it just feels like a bad spot for Miami. And I think some people – may have been uh, a little bit encouraged by what they saw from Virginia last week, being able to move the ball at times against Clemson and figure, hey, you know what, Miami's got a better offense than than Virginia does. So maybe they can do it. I I think if there are two things that would give Miami a chance of hanging in there, one is that they have a quarterback who has great mobility and that Clemson is going to – they're going to get through the line of scrimmage and they're going to get pressure on everyone's quarterback who they face. And if you've got a guy who's capable of dodging some of that pressure and then making something out of nothing, um, it's going to give you a chance to create some points where most teams wouldn't have gotten any against Clemson. And then on the other side, if if Miami does have a strength defensively, I would say that it's probably their pass rush. And maybe if you can get some pressure on Trevor Lawrence, you could get their passing game. Uh, off schedule, and uh, the, the unfortunate thing for Miami is that you know when you get these situations and you, you you go to the blueprint of how do you pull a big upset, it always starts with talking about you know winning the turnover battle, and, and Miami has been great at forcing turnovers. Like the, the turnover chain thing isn't all hype; they actually have the third most turnovers forced in the FBS since the turnover chain began in 2017. The problem is Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown an interception in about a year. Okay, And their first-team offense hasn't turned the ball over this season. So you figure you know, Miami's best case is they might be able to force two turnovers. More than likely, one would be an accomplishment. And so they're going to have to earn it elsewhere, and it's just it's not going to be easy to do.
0: Brad, I saw an article which compared this Miami-Clemson game uh, to the Louisville-Clemson game when Lamar Jackson was still quarterback at Louisville. Louisville fell just short at the end, but they gave him a real test, maybe the last real test that they've faced in the regular season. Uh, Do you think that Miami could do something similar uh, just to what Louisville was able to accomplish and giving Clemson at least a scare?
5: I think people are latching on to that game because of what Lamar Jackson was able to do as far as the dual threat, and they look at De'Ara King and they, they... see that the game that I would compare it more to would be when Clemson went to Louisville the following year. Uh, I was there at that game and it was one that, that because of what had happened the previous year, everyone said, Oh yeah, this is going to be a good game. This is going to be a test for Clemson. And and this is, this is like I was saying earlier, they have Clemson's attention. Okay. And that's not always a good thing. Clemson wiped Louisville off the field, Lamar Jackson's last year. Um, And so As as much as I, 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 Derek King is good enough to be in a game like this and to hold his own, my question is, does he have enough offensive teammates who are? And does he have enough defensive teammates who are?
1: Brad, a, a quick thought here. Got a couple of minutes. How big a weekend is it for Jimbo Fisher? Florida comes to town.
5: I think it's big for proving that his program is on the right track. I don't think it's big for his job because you know, he's got all that guaranteed money; he's not going anywhere. But um, if you know, when when he first came in and everybody expected that, okay, he's gonna he's gonna get them in contention in the SEC West. Obviously, that starts with being competitive against Alabama. Uh, you're not going to beat Alabama very often when Saban's there. But if you can at least be competitive with, like what Georgia's done under Kirby Smart. I mean, they have taken Alabama to the wire twice, and they'll get Alabama again next week, and we'll see how they do with that one. But Georgia has shown on the field that there is not much of a difference between them and Alabama. A&M has not come close to that under Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. So this is a chance to show that, okay, maybe we're not at Alabama's level, but a team that's a notch down from Alabama talent-wise. And look, based on recruiting rankings, you could make the argument that A&M should have more talent than Florida does. So this is a, a, a much fairer fight, and uh, if they, if they, well, first of all, if they lose, their fans are going to be upset. But especially if it's not close, there are going to be a lot of people just kind of uh, selling their Jimbo Fisher stock. I guess would be the best way to put it.
1: Bill O'Brien, does he end up back in college? About thirty seconds.
5: I, I don't know. I, I don't know him well enough to know how important it would be for him to, you know, to to prove himself in the NFL or whether he's had enough and and uh, would rather go back. You know, I mean, that, that's what happened with Saban. Mm-hmm. You know, not that Saban got run out of Miami, but but Saban coached in the NFL just a little bit, and he recognized that he was a better fit for college, and he went back and he stayed. Uh, how does Bill, Bill O'Brien feel, college NFL? I have no idea.
1: It'll be interesting to see if someone comes call. And He did incredible work at Penn State and left a pretty full cupboard for... Uh, uh, for James Franklin, and James has been awesome, of course, there. Brad, great to get caught up, man. Miss talking to you. Thanks for a few minutes today.
5: All right. Thank you, guys. Take, Take care. care.
2: Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Kranak.
1: One final time this hour, weekend edition Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Kranach. Elijah Herbal. Brandon Vogel's coming up in 10 minutes. Good to talk with Vogue. Some college football on his mind. The Iron Horse is Gary Sharp at 830. We'll talk to Sharpie and uh, get into some more Husker football thoughts. as uh, two weeks away from Nebraska and Ohio State. So, Cranach, uh, John Canzano writes uh, out in Oregon. Pretty locked in college football guy. Does that heard shock... a lot
2: about him when Riley got hired. Right, yet.
1: because Riley would do quite a bit of uh, one-on-ones with him, just from their past relationship. But Canzano put out a piece either late yesterday or it's on Twitter this morning that <laughs> the old Pac-12 wasn't wanted, man. <laughs> I'd laugh, but it's... Think about that. A Power Five league that was having trouble finding a TV
2: partner in today's day and age. Right. Through the pandemic, it's it's shocking. Uh, <laughs> I look. We know that people on the West Coast generally are more outdoorsy or hippie types. They have
1: lots of things and options to choose.
2: Yeah, and they normally don't choose college football. A few exceptions: Oregon. And if, if SC's killing it, uh, if SC, right, right. If SC's killing it, uh, Utah. You know Washington. Mm-hmm. And there's some ex- there's some some exceptions. Arizona State because it's just the great prelude to a huge Coke party. Did I say that? That's <laughs> probably, I mean really that's <laughs> that's how they roll. That's a how the Pac- huge 12. Coke party for a thousand. I mean Alex. that's you know seems to be what a lot of those. You've been down in that area. Um, Arizona State's Tempe's fun,
1: man. But that's not my cup of snort, though.
2: I was just going to (laughs) say, did you just make an admission here? No, not at all. No, you did not. Uh, But yeah, they couldn't find it. Nobody wanted to (laughs) partner. None of the ABC, Fox, like nobody. We'll
1: uh, we'll find uh, Brandon Vogel's thoughts on this and the Big Red 2020 next hour. Thanks for hanging out. Hour 2, weekend edition, Hale City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal producing. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach, and at Herbal Essence for Elijah. We welcome in managing editor with HailbarCity.com and magazine, Brandon L. Vogel. At Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, and you, you read his fantastic coverage of Nebraska... And uh, of course, his biography with John Cook. Dream Like a Champion, get a copy of that today. We say hi to Vogue's. Vogue's, uh, we'll start off with the traditional barbecue question. A lot of football to watch today before we dive into Nebraska football 2020. What is on the griller smoker for you with all these games to check out today?
4: Smoker, uh, scheduled for today, might do some wings, um, but Good that answer. looks like, based on the uh, forecast for rain, looks like it'll be mostly an indoor procedure, so um, that's that's kind of what I got.
1: Okay. Now, when we do wings, are you going to oven or air fry, or uh, the bunny just got that ninja super-duper air fryer slash indoor grill deal, so we need to try that out once it gets cold but how are you going to fire the wings up indoors
4: yeah i'll use the uh, convection bake mode on the oven which mm-hmm. i found works works pretty well um so it's you know a little bit similar to to air fryers uh and that it just gives you a little bit of uh, extra crispiness so we'll go that route
1: love it let's get into quarterbacks I know we got the food questions answered uh how uh intrigued what did you glean from from adrian what did you what you glean from mccaffrey this week
4: um uh, you know i think the most interesting thing about that was probably just the the, the setting of, of seeing luke mccaffrey in a in a press conference setting you know i know we've had the opportunity to to talk to him last year as a true freshman at, at times um, but it just it's a lot different uh, with a lot different of five, five reporters talking to him in the rain at Maryland uh, after he played some wide receiver to putting your backup quarterback up there uh, in, in a preseason press conference in, in this kind of setting. And I thought he handled himself really well. Um, I still think that, uh, well, I'm going with what, what Matt Lubick said two weeks ago that Nebraska played now. Adrian's still the guy, but that, that press conference kind of made me feel, okay, uh luke mccaffrey not surprising given what we know of his history and his family uh is a capable leader and a guy who if you had to go with him i don't think at least i personally wouldn't have any reservations about that
2: Look, we've kind of been burned on conventional wisdom on who you thought would be quarterback a few times over the last decade or so i think before taylor martinez was named starter it was like yeah right that guy's not going to be the starter obviously and then, right. I think, same even with Jebbia and Martinez until Martinez was actually named. You're like, this is Jebbia. Of course, it's Jebbia. And then it wasn't. <laughs> I, we're not dealing with a situation like that, are we, where like McCaffrey could actually be named the starter week one? I, I think
4: the only difference is uh, the the four games we were able to see McCaffrey play without uh, without burning his red shirt here and in some ways uh, those games aren't very representative it, I think it makes us feel like we know more about McCaffrey than we actually do um, you know Jacob way, way back in January or February uh, did a breakdown of his passing plays, which you could do in one piece because there was only there were only 12 of them so I mean <laughs> there's still a big piece there like everyone can see the athleticism and, and we kind of do that coming in but but you're right, I've thought of, it's you know, whenever quarterback comes up, and it always comes up, I've thought of that 2010 year. I mean, Martinez was just a guy on the team, and you heard some, some reports about, hey, he's pretty tough to handle in practice. But uh, until you saw him in that first game um, and, and they made the call, that one was a total shock. And I hadn't even thought of Martinez and Jebbia, but that's, that's another good one. That, that one you kind of at least theoretically made sense because one was uh, – a quarterback Frost
1: chose, and one was not. Brandon Vogel's with us, salevarncity.com and magazine managing editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. You know, I thought Adrian was pretty matter of of fact and just reading too much into the old screen here, but with the Zoom call, I anticipate really good response. It sounds like that's what's gone on from Adrian, not only with preparation, but health. And and now the option and opportunity to have a really seasoned line in front of him, have a, a running game behind him with Mills at least that is very familiar. It's not new. And I guess the, the missing piece of this offense is w- what do we have at wideout? Uh, in that uh, in that that what do you have at your disposal that you trust? Right? And you know you got Wandale. You know you have Cade Warner. And, you know, you've got Stoll, and you just don't know how far along some of the new guys are at wide receiver. What's your – I know Adrian's first question was about gelling and, and chemistry with the, the wide receiver group, but, you know, where, where are you at with that just because of how it hampered Adrian last year? I don't think he got helped out a lot, if at all, by his wide receivers many times last season.
4: No, I don't. I don't think so either. And you know, if there's a a potential uh, caution flag for for Nebraska's offense in 2020, for me, it is that passing game. Uh, for some of the reasons you mentioned, um, how much work were they able to put in, kind of you know, quarterback and receiver together when the team itself wasn't able to be together. You know, but continuity in the passing game is is like is the key factor it, it's when you when we look at these returning production figures um the one you want is, is a ton of receiving yards returning and, and nebraska was in a pretty good spot with jd spielman he left and then they were in a worse spot which also tells you something about just how how limited nebraska was on the receiving front that one guy um could could be such a big chunk so yeah on paper it looked good with, with spielman in the mix But it was still you were. It was basically him and Robinson, and and then a little bit from the tight ends. No other wide receiver that that's on the roster now had more than eight catches last year, and and that's that's still the case, obviously. So so that's a reason for concern. Um, I think Nebraska tries to get around that uh, a little bit. Well, maybe maybe the chemistry's fine. We haven't seen them yet. All we've gotten are our clips from practice but i think nebraska i expect nebraska to lead on that run game you know the the praise for the offensive line almost across the board from the the offensive coaches has has been high Uh, and i think that's a a high ceiling group Uh, i think the running backs are a high ceiling group though young behind mills but if nebraska's going to make some hay um this season i think it comes on the ground
2: brandon vogel is with us on hail varsity radio Flip to the other side of the ball, and really, if you look at the entire team, you know you had a nice breakdown of of Frost on uh, his monthly radio show, breaking down the position groups and categorized it as to like what he said about each group. He was he was pretty positive on just about all of them, you know, some more so than others, of course, except for outside linebacker. Like he had no problem <laughs> just saying we were garbage there last year and we need to get better paraphrasing. Of course. Um, one, what's your takeaway about him singling out that position? And then two, what do you expect out of that position?
4: It's always a little bit of a surprise for, for a coach to be that blunt about a, a, a specific group. Uh, and then, you know, Jay Foreman joined Derek Peterson on, on the varsity club podcast this week to, to look at defense along with Greg Smith and, and, and Jay of course knows a thing or two about, about linebacker play. And he, he said he put it as Nebraska has gotten zero production for two years from that spot. And you look at it and it's, it's kind of true. Um, so Nebraska's got, well, th- three guys that, that played quite a bit last year in, in, in Doman Tanner and, and Nelson, um, it's, it's a pretty high-stakes year, I think, for uh, Doman and, and, and Tanner. It, the, the time is kind of now to, to show some steps. And we've seen Doman do some things in flashes. Nelson's an interesting one to me. Um, to be able to play as much as he did as a true freshman indicates, I guess, at least something about his willingness to, to, to learn that spot and, and to try and get it right. Does he look like a sophomore, I think, is, is kind of the key question there for him. And, and I think he probably will. Uh, the guy's got a really great work ethic. Beyond that, we are looking at some, some junior college additions, most likely. Um, we'll see if one of the young guys, uh, a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, can, can pop up. But it's, it's a spot where it, you need some it's, – it's a, it's a tough spot in today's game. It's, it's a tough position to play. And Nebraska's still looking for that, I guess, perfect fit. Uh, the guy that has the ability to to stay on the field almost no matter what happens. So, so we'll see if they get there this year.
2: Hey, I just want to jump in here real quick too. I, I'm, I don't know. It, is 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 that position almost? I don't know. Are you looking for like the perfect player there? Is it fair for us to say, hey, Nebraska, hey, Chenander, hey, Frost? you're very few of those human beings exist that can play that position. We might want to try something different or, or is it just like, no, 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 you, you can re- absolutely recruit to that position and have guys. Cause you're basically asking for players that like, like you said, never come off the field that can cover downfield tight ends or receivers that can also rush the passer and take on offensive tackles and help it. Like you're looking for just the perfect player. Does that, can Nebraska like, get those guys, do those guys walk around or are they all sort of at Alabama or Clemson and that's it?
4: Yeah, it's, it's tough. And it's, it's a little bit similar to me, uh, to elite defensive linemen. There aren't a ton of those ready-made guys. Um, And the competition to get them is pretty fierce. Uh, A lot of them end up being in the southeast, and a lot of them stay in the southeast to go to college. Um, I think that's one of the differences between the SEC and everybody else uh, is just that sort of athleticism on the defensive side of the ball. So, so that's a fair question. It's tough. I mean, Caleb Tanner. It's part of why. I mean, he was a four-star prospect, obviously, but also from Georgia. So guys like that don't leave Georgia very often. He's a guy who kind of looks the part. Um, It's why I think Nelson is going to be a pretty interesting test case for Nebraska um, because he comes from a place that I'm very familiar with, uh, Scott's Bluff, which doesn't send a ton of uh, players to Nebraska, much less the FBS level in general. Um, You just don't see that very often from, you know, That's that far out West in, in Nebraska. Uh, So, so that'll be interesting. I think he'll be a a case of, well, his own work ethic, which which I feel is strong, but also the coaching. Uh, It was kind of interesting during Frost's radio appearance. uh, You you got the sense that he was really encouraged uh, about having Mike Dawson back uh, and about having working with that, working, work with that group. Uh, So we'll see what it produces.
0: Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, one of the things that concerns me and I think a lot of people about the outside linebacker position is that it's got to be Doman, Garrett Nelson, and Caleb Tanner playing a lot of snaps. And that's kind of what was echoed in the press conference. Uh, but in a season like this where you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're playing eight games against conference teams, no bye weeks, uh, what concerns me is, is depth uh, because if you have a COVID-19 positive test that's 21 days you got to be out or playing all those big 10 games you get an injury you're gonna have to sit out for a little bit are there any other positions on the team where you're concerned about depth potentially being an issue this season
4: i think i think that might be the the primary one you may have just hit it elijah uh because you look at inside linebacker and you can easily kind of rattle off well four names for sure maybe even five uh, you, you almost wonder with inside linebackers in terms of divvying up those snaps if, if there's a guy on that outside looking in, um, and, and maybe that can help you at, at outside linebacker. Um, I, I still think wide receiver it, it is pretty shallow. Um, Nebraska has done its best to to shore that up over, well, really since they they got here that this staff got here in 2018, but it's it's definitely a work in progress. And if you lose, you know, even one kind of key guy there, you down, uh, get down deeper in the depth chart than you'd like to pretty fast. So those might be the top two.
1: Vogue, uh, last thought on, on outside backer. How big a blow is it to have a dinged up Buda right? I mean, what was the level of, of expectation for him to be another name, an outside backer? And I know because of the athleticism and some, some weight loss, he got to fail Darius Payne and then look, man, he's 6'6, 240, or whatever he's at, they're they're looking at him. Is that how do you view that? Is it, oh man, they need more bodies because of this depth conversation, or okay, this guy could be a fit because of his athleticism. What's the scale tilt in in your view when you look at that?
4: Yeah, I think, I think both of those guys, well, they're not exactly the same And for me. I, I think right, getting a look there um, is an encouraging sign mm-hmm. uh, and not a sign of, of panic or distress. Um, it just says to me, like, hey, this guy's got a nose for football. He's super athletic. He can do a lot of things. And, and we think he has the frame um, for us to kind of build him to this spot. Payne, you know, is, is one who... I, I wasn't surprised to hear he was, he was working some out there. Um, he... I think that's a better fit for him, honestly. Um, so, so both of those, I, or or moves that that made some sense to me. Um, but you know, to to Elijah's point, yeah, they need some some additional options there. Um, Blaze Gunerson is is a guy whose name hasn't come up very often um, as a true freshman. But <clears throat> what's what's he what's he capable of? You know, it's it's just tough without the regular run up to a season. To know what what some of these new additions, be be it true freshman or junior college player even, are going to be capable of doing. um, Everything's a little bit off kilter.
2: Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, We were talking in the first hour, Brandon, about like just position groups that we are most optimistic about. And Chris rattled off offensive line is probably his number one. Um, My number one is secondary. What's yours?
4: Uh, probably, pro- I would probably go offensive line, but those are my two my two picks. It's really one of one A for me. Um, I, I, I might give the, the O line the edge, um, just because <clears throat> with the addition with, with a player like Brant Banks or um, Bryce Binhart, really pushing for some some roles here uh, with all of the experience Nebraska had returning, I think tells. Well, it tells me that the, the competition level should be pretty high there, and, and that's always good. Now, I think the the competition level has the chance to be pretty high in the secondary, too. Um, Frost mentioned this week that with the loss of Braxton Clark, which which is unfortunate, I was excited to see him play. Cam uh, Taylor Britt basically moves out to that cornerback that spot. Which is good. Cam taylor Brett's a really good football player, uh, but they've got this kind of second wave of guys—guys guys who are redshirt freshmen, freshmen, or or sophomores—that I'm really intrigued to see. Um, we just haven't seen them kind of crack that. You know, none of them are beating out Markel Dismuke at this point or DiCaprio Boodle. Uh, doesn't mean that that can't happen. It's just the, those starters there in the secondary feel a little bit more set in stone at least for now Um, but but I really like that the secondary group as a whole and and I think that's I think that's super important for Nebraska you know we're talking a couple minutes ago about the difficulties in finding defensive linemen and outside linebackers one thing Nebraska has consistently been able to to do recruiting wise over the course of its history and maybe most evidently during the Bo Pelini era is, is get elite defensive backs or, or find elite defensive backs and, and build them into that. So I'm pretty encouraged with where Nebraska's at in the secondary.
0: Brennan, what's your level of optimism for the special teams with a few new pieces coming in, as well as Jonathan Rutledge coming in as a new analyst to, uh, to coach them up?
4: <laughs> um uh, they can't be much worse. So I guess my optimism level is medium high. Like it's hard without having seen many of those guys, particularly in the kicking game um, without having seen them. I I would expect Nebraska to kind of get back closer to at least average. Um, If anything more than that feels a little bit like, like icing on the cake for this year. But you look at the coverage part of it, I think this, the staff well they said it specifically, um, and, and who knows if this is just kind of camp chatter. Uh, we'll see. But one of the ways you can really determine how deep a team is is, is who's playing on special teams and how good are they. Um, and, and I think Nebraska has a chance to upgrade um, just with some of the bodies that they'll have available, um, guys who maybe are fourth, fifth in, in those linebacker races but can become special teams aces. Um, I think Nebraska has a pretty positive outlook on that. I just don't know what their ceiling is on special teams yet.
1: Vogues we'll say goodbye. Uh, your game of the weekend? Who you who you tuning in for today?
4: Oh man, there's 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 a, there's a lot of interesting ones. I'm pretty interested in that Ole Miss Alabama game. I mean, yeah. I think Alabama will eventually uh, <laughs> do what Alabama does, but the Lane Kiffin angles certainly interesting. Uh, and then Texas A&M Florida uh, is going to be pretty intriguing too, just with where, how things have gone so far for A&M. So those will probably be the two that I'm paying the most attention to.
1: Well, we'll have that uh, imaginary corn dog of the Texas state fair. All right. Since uh, you can't get it this year, Brandon Vogel, managing editor, Hale varsity Vogue's have a good weekend. Thanks for jumping on. You too, guys. Thanks a lot. There he is. Brandon Vogel at Brandon L Vogel on Twitter.
2: Hey, um, you want okay? Random trivia question here for you. Do it. How many? How many running backs does Nebraska carry on its roster? Fourteen. Yes. How did you know that? Did you look that up recently? I
1: have not made a move towards the computer in thirty minutes, have I, Elijah?
0: No. Yes, and that was a shockingly good guess. Actually, I was I was thinking <laughs> somewhere in like the ten 14. range. Yeah,
1: fourteen. Yeah, it's
2: literally fourteen. There are fourteen running. I now, find that
1: from a scholarship standpoint, do they have what eleven? Of the fourteen, nine of the 14? Nine
2: of the fourteen, or what walk-ons? You said? No, I'm saying scholarship. Oh, scholarship! You got, you got Ramirez, Marvin, Ronald, Diedrich, Sevion. Yeah, you got five of them that are on. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you got nine walk. But I'm just thinking about that. Like, usually you have one running back playing at a time. Like, imagine being the 14th string guy. Dude, no, you're, you're not getting, third string. You're getting you're carries. Not, you're getting carries in practice. You're not fourth. You're not even eighth string.
1: Ty Robinson may be pile driving you, but you know you're you're getting a carry.
0: Fourteenth string. That would just be tough to take. I'd put that in my Twitter bio. If I was the fourteenth string running back in Nebraska, <laughs> that's going right, in tw- right to Twitter and right to Tinder.
2: <laughs> but that tells you we'll let you handle that, the order <laughs> that tells me though they're they they like to work on the run game and practice and Good. they need some uh they need some bodies we'll uh talk to the iron horse gary sharp coming up
1: next it's the weekend edition of hail varsity presented by the nebraska lottery Glad to
2: have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach.
1: Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how
3: I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then... Two more after that, every five minutes until one of us
1: passes out. Oh, excellent <laughs> strategy, sir. No passing out yet this morning on the weekend edition of Hail Bar City Radio. Chris Schmidt, Mark Kranak, we welcome in the Iron Horse, two weeks from Nebraska, Ohio State, and he's still smiling about his Miami Heat. Sharpie G at home in time from uh, TV work to, uh, to catch Jimmy do his thing?
3: Yes, yeah, so I got in the car and uh, they were up six. And I thought, wow, I'm bad luck. So I turned off the uh, radio, got home, turned it back on, and they were they were up to uh, nine. So that was quite the performance. I was uh, not surprised that the Heat gave him a game, but uh, you never know. But gosh, if we could all be on the same level as Jimmy Butler when it comes to competing or that whole mindset, my gosh, we'd we'd be exhausted after. Imagine doing this show for two hours every Saturday with Jimmy Butler energy. You'd be exhausted. Your weekend would be over.
1: We we
2: aspire to have energy mean, like imagine? Jimmy. Yeah, what do you mean imagine? That's what we we leave it all on the mic every single Saturday. <laughs> leave it all wow. on the table.
3: There's there's coach speak and then there's radio speak. Well done.
2: Yeah, nicely
1: nicely played, Mr. Kradak. All right, Sharpie, if you're a betting man, where will Nebraska's pass rush come from in twenty twenty? Will it be the defensive end or the outside linebacker spot?
3: Um, what if I went with a push and said both, but won't be up to, won't be up to the standards that you have to have to be really successful in the big 10.
1: Okay. So both will give it, but it won't be enough is what you're saying.
3: Yeah. I, I, I think those are, you know, you look at outside linebacker and you look at who's going to play, uh, outside of defensive end, there's still questions. Uh, you know, we kind of forget about Ben Stilley. I, I think guys in the Nebraska program that are going on like their third year as a starter, we tend to forget about them, even though they've had quality careers and Stilley started 14 games. I just think there's a lot of unknown. That doesn't mean that they're, they're, they cannot create a pass rush and be better than we thought. I just think we haven't seen anything, and there's some guys learning new positions, and there's some guys that are going to be welcome to Division One football playing Ohio State that we don't know. But Mark and I, I think, earlier in the summer, Ashmini, you were away, Mark and I were talking about a defensive line. Uh, They look like a Big Ten defensive line. I think they're starting to get a very good idea of what the outside linebacker position can do in this defense, what they should look like, their ability to cover uh, the run, but also play in space. I I think this group, um, in particular, defensive ends and outside linebackers, are about a year away. But there's a lot of promise there. I mean, I know people have bought multiple tickets on the Ty Robinson hype train, hoping that he stays healthy and he plays up to everything we thought when he came to Nebraska. Because if he does, then I think some other things fall in place at those positions.
2: You know, Brandon was just talking last segment, too, about uh, special teams and just saying, you know, just get them back up to average. I mean, it's, it's pretty rare that you'll have, a, you'll have a position group that is just a straight-up liability let alone, you know, you get average play out of them. But I mean, the special teams was an absolute. It was a minus. It was a liability. It just it t- took away from the success of the team. If you could think back, imagine Nebraska had just average, middle of the road, run of the mill special teams play last year. Does that affect their record? Are they do does Nebraska get more wins and end up in a bowl last year just off of that alone?
3: Yeah, I think there's two games late in the season for you, Wisconsin and Iowa. Yeah. I mean, you think about about both of those games, after Nebraska either gained momentum or really had a good feel about where they were in the game, and it was a very winnable game, what happened? Mm -hmm. You turn around and you watch two guys on those respective teams running down the field with a kickoff to score a touchdown. And what happened is after that you were deflated. And that team was too fragile at that point in the season uh, mentally that they couldn't afford those things to happen. I think, I think what has happened, and I, and I continue to say this, I, Scott Frost did a good job in season last year and after the season of evaluating where his program is and what has to be fixed. I think he has fixed the internal stuff, I think then he went the next step and said, why aren't we achieving better play on the field? Why aren't we a smarter football team? What ails us? And I think he then started to look at his staff, himself, fix those kind of things. And in particular, in special teams, that's, that's the thing that is mind-boggling the first two years, is the attention to detail and the little things that seem to be so hard for Nebraska to accomplish. And they are magnified on special teams when one guy could just be a little bit out of his lane or try and play hero ball, and, and the next thing you know, the guy's running past you and he's going the length of the field for a touchdown on a kickoff return. So I, I think it is hires of in the offseason, whether it be Mike Dawson, Matt Lubick, or bringing in Jonathan Rutledge to, to oversee special teams, I think they – have three guys in those positions where last year the details were lacking. Um, they fixed those, and now we'll see the result. But I think with special teams, that's going to be a worry I think across the board. We've seen in college football. But I, I, I think at in Nebraska initially, because you have a bunch of new faces in key positions, whether they be holders, snappers, kickers, punters, or people that are playing on your coverage teams or your protection teams, um, but you've got enough depth now, so maybe that will help ease some of the concerns that uh, has ailed Nebraska the first two years.
1: Gary Sharp's with us. The Iron Horse Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Sharpie, put your OC headset on. It can be a 90s throwback headset or it can be a 2020 version. And uh, how would Gary Sharp use McCaffrey on offense this year?
3: I would use him where he is best. And either that is a a decoy. Now, we're assuming that he's not going to win the job, correct?
1: Yeah, let's just go okay. forward like, okay, Adrian's so going to do his I, I, thing, and, and, and he's, now it's up to getting him snapped somehow.
3: I think you have to approach it and look at Luke McCaffrey and go, man, we have a special athlete here that can not only step in and be the starting quarterback in Nebraska, but also can catch the ball, can run the ball. If you're going to commit to... Adrian is your starter, but you want Luke on the field because the whole end goal is to win games, Luke McCaffrey can help you win games, then whatever package you put together for him week by week, you have to follow through with that. You can't just use him as a little gimmick or a decoy. You have to use him as a real part of your offense if that's what you're committed to. And I would put him in situations where Luke can run the ball. He can, you know, you could play, you could bring Luke McCaffrey in, and he could do wildcat. Um, you know, you could split him out, and he could catch the ball. We've seen all of that. But I think if you're going to go there, you've got to commit to it. And when you put him in, you utilize him, not just put him in to be a decoy. But think about it. You could get real crazy. And I, I, think, I think Nebraska might be in this situation, because you had a lot of downtime during the quarantine, that you looked at your all-22, and maybe you have looked at other teams all-22 and stolen ideas. Nebraska could put three quarterbacks on the field at the same time. They could have Adrian Martinez, Luke McCaffrey, and Elante Brown all out there.
2: Hmm. Nice. Maybe maybe bring over some Cam Taylor-Britt.
3: I mean, then you, got... you just have four guys playing catch that on the field. It'll be great. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be something we've never seen
2: before. You line all four up, and then you ask, then you ask uh, Cam Jurgens, expert snapper, to just, <laughs> you know, you don't know who he's going to even snap it to. By the that way, take... I'm just thinking about it, that. Could have been a great way to hedge against his wild snaps last year. You put two or three <laughs> quarterbacks back there. He's going to hit one of them. Close.
3: Done. Done. Mark. Mark will be here till the top of the hour. Well,
1: Kranak, get some more. Uh, some more wild turkey, brother. I mean, that hey, was am good. I, am
3: I? Am I, Am I crazy, guys, to think listening to uh, Scott the other night and then Mario uh, from Weekend at Bernie's the other day? That was money. That. That. <laughs> When they talk about both of the quarterbacks, and I truly believe it's competition, and I truly believe that Adrian is being pushed by Luke McCaffrey, that they are very, and we'll find out more after today's scrimmage, but they are very careful not to talk more about one over the other. If you mention Adrian, you almost immediately mention Luke or vice versa. And Am I reading that wrong, or did you guys sense that this week as well?
1: No, they were both talked about, and they're both in the spotlight to to compete for that job it's a it's a real thing it is not lip service about the job being open and that's that's just a message to Adrian and he was pretty upfront about his preparation tweaks right you know going into this year uh with uh just managing really that that one game at a time not looking too far back not looking uh, too far ahead, but living in the moment—that's one of the comments Adrian said that, that stuck out with me. But the the, the part of, of McCaffrey and Adrian mentioned together, yeah, I mean it's 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 a real thing. It's it's not just uh, let's just pay it some words and some attention, so we don't lose one of them, right? I mean, just just be, and I'm not saying that that's been a thought. I'm not insinuating that at all. I'm just saying you have a very Real uh, situation in the world of college football when you look around with with quarterback transfers, right, Gary?
3: Yeah, and I and you know, and it's a, it's kind of a and weird situation because everybody gets a free year of eligibility. Yeah, uh, you know, Andrew Martinez, he wins the job, stays healthy all year, plays every game. He can come back next year, and play again, and you know what? He can come back and play the year after that. So, if, if you you got to balance it, uh, but I think I, I I don't know, and and, and Mark, you, you know. We talked a lot about quarterbacks. I think if you're Nebraska, whether you be a coach or a fan, this is the most comfortable you felt with your quarterback room in a long, long time. Most people feel good with their one, but when you look at their number two, you're like, "Eh, okay, it pressed into service. I think this is the first time in a long time that you look at both quarterbacks and go, you know what, regardless of who's playing, Nothing's going to change. When the backup guy comes in, we don't have to tear up the playbook and get really vanilla. We can still run the same offense. I don't think I've said that in a while.
2: It has been a long time. I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, like, when when did you have a really solid one and two that you would feel good about? And, look, McCaffrey still has something to prove. He hasn't played a lot. But to be And it's
3: much different when you're the guy instead of the guy that just comes in and then
2: bounces back out. But considering his bloodlines and what we've seen, yeah, I, you know, there's there's obvious reason for optimism. Yeah. Um, no, like really, like I'm trying to think. Like, when was the last time on the roster?
1: <laughs> this I, I hate to go here, but you got to go back to '95.
2: Oh my God, dude! You, and then have to go back that far, does it? I, I'm not saying it.
3: Well, it might,
2: but you
3: know, ooh. even even Eric with uh, Jamal mm-hmm. as his backup. You didn't okay. really know much about Jamal because he, you know, he was still kind of relatively new in the program. I mean, we are we talking the Cody Green era?
1: Well, or do you, or do you go back to Newcomb and Crouch? because yeah. well, even no. Cody Green, you I mean, didn't necessarily feel, feel about it? good about I, everybody. It depends who you, you, know you ask. ask.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, no, and then and then I'll throw another one in here. And and, and he still hasn't played a down of football, and he, you know, it's only been here since the calendar flipped twenty twenty you want to add Logan Smothers into the mix, you, you feel good in that quarterback room. And I tell you, they also really like Matt Masker mm-hmm. from Carney. They think he's made some great strides. Now, is he going to hop over two guys and get in the mix? Not likely, but he has made some strides. So I think they feel real good about that quarterback room. And we know Adrian Martinez in two years as a starter hasn't been able to finish the whole year. So I pose this question to you. Both of you guys can answer this. There is no wrong or right answer. The person that starts two weeks from today, is that the same person that starts on December 12th against Minnesota?
1: Yes, and I'll say that you may have an injury. You may see whoever the number 2 quarterback is see time. Uh, but I think who, who starts the year will finish the year. But I can't guarantee that... It'll be all straight eight starts by who wins the job. Does that make sense? I think you could see you could see an injury where someone's got a, you know, think of the Minnesota game last year, right, where the pride of Wahoo got the start up there, uh, and you had Adrian recovering. So I, I think who wins the job will, will finish the year unless it's one of those season enders. That that's how I view it.
2: How you view it, Mark? I. You know, you bring up a good, good point. I think it's going to be—it's such a condensed. We don't know, schedule. man. <laughs> it's such a condensed schedule, though. That I, and they haven't played in so long that I could see—I could see injuries really playing a role here more so than maybe past years, just because it's so condensed. There's no rest. Everything's physical. Yeah, no, I would say no. I—I don't think that does happen. I—I'd be surprised if, uh, if your quarterback, especially in a run-heavy offense. Where you ask your quarterback to run, I, I just – no, I, I, don't think, I don't think it'll be Adrian by then. Well, I think you can ask him to
1: run, and he, he has played better when he's been allowed to run, but you just can't have that fear of, of injury easier to say than well, do, you know?
3: Well, but, but the other thing, and you, you guys are absolutely right on Adrian, but also remember he will take the field two weeks from the day, and that is as healthy as he's been – since he's been in Nebraska, since he took the field against Colorado in his first game. And remember, he got injured in that game.
1: Yep. Yeah, he got WWA, ed in that game, you know. Sharpie, I want to get your take on Omar Manning. What, what's your read on the situation there?
3: Well, I think there's something there. Um, you know, it's uh, the transition from junior college football to big-time Division One college football, where they're going to demand a little bit more out of you, possibly, you know, well, not possibly, accountability on and off the field. Um, for some, that's not an easy transition. For others, that's what they need. I think it's been a, a rocky transition for Omar uh, in terms of being able to get on the field. Where you know they're going to they're going to put a physical toll on your body that you haven't experienced for a while, so you might have a nagging injury or two, and you get frustrated that you cannot perform like you have. Um, but you have to – you know, they're relying on him. He's got to take care of business. But I, there's something there. I, I think, you know, maybe when Scott has media availability, possibly this upcoming week, that's a follow-up question. Um, you know, he kind of – he said the right thing the other night when the caller into his show asked about him. Uh, Adrian Martinez was asked about him the other day and kind of skirted the issue. When you say, but junior college players have to be good right away, and he's not the guy. Meant, he's not one of the guys mentioned, even though he came in as the number one junior college wide receiver in the country. I think it's something to follow, and you know, I, I'm I'm enamored by him. I think that would be unfortunate if it couldn't work out. But you know, you're you're held to you're held to some standards that you have to follow through, and sometimes it takes a little longer for some to to get you know reach those standards. But I hope it works out. But that's a that's a storyline that's not going to go away until we actually see him play in a football game. And, you know, it, it, he might not be there two weeks from today.
2: Yeah, that would be crazy. Um, Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. So if that happens, and we don't know, maybe maybe we'll turn it on and be fine. Um, is it is it really – like, who, who's the guy? Who are the names that emerge that we just haven't seen? Like, we know what we have in Wandale. We know what we have in Kurt – or in uh, – Kurt, sorry. In Cade Warner. That too. It's kind of it. It's kind of it in terms of, like, production on the field. Who who, who do you think just becomes – this? A known name that produces.
3: Well, Alante Brown. I mean, he's everybody's put stock in him. He, uh, I talked to people that have watched him in the last week, and he is the real deal. I mean, his speed and the way he's been able to pick up the offense. And he's like a sponge. He's always asking questions. Cade Warner's kind of taking him under his wing. Uh, he's someone to watch. Uh, I think then. Where it, where it moves to is all of those key ingredients of the 2019 class, which really is the make it or break it for this program moving forward, that they get major contributions out of the majority of that class. And there's a couple of key wide receivers that are in that class. And Nance in Nancy, Houston. And you know, Houston didn't get on the field last year, but he looks completely different with his body and how fast he is compared to when he showed up on campus. So those guys have got to get on the field, and they've got to make an impact. But I think what we're going to see, depending on that wide receiver room, as they, they try and figure out their roles, and it opens the door for the transfer from South Dakota who has had a good intake coming into the program. What it really does is it says the Wondell Robinson will be even more important this year, and all of this lip service to tight ends, it's real this year. But they're going to heavily involve the tight ends until the wide receivers get up to speed. Now, what does that say for... Quarterback and trying to find his favorite targets. Well, you still have one on the field. You just need to find three or four other consistent wide receivers out there. And I think that'll be a you know that'll be a situation that'll be week to week as new guys come in and guys develop and guys get more confidence. That's an area where it's a concern, but you feel like you're in a better spot than you were last year with the skill guys at wide receiver that you have.
1: Sharpie, uh, the Canes cover tonight? We'll get you out of here on that.
3: Uh, I don't think so. Unless it's late, I don't think we'll hear the phrase, is Miami back? How crazy is this, guys? This is uh, two weeks before the Big Ten. It's a pretty good slate. I mean, I, I like mm-hmm. the slates where every game seems to matter. We don't have you know, these non-conference uh, cupcake games. We have real conference games. We're going into a football weekend, college football weekend, where Notre Dame and Florida State and Texas and Oklahoma aren't even close to the top games in college football today. How wild is that,
1: man? They're they're the all name squads, but yeah, those games are kind of dogs, and that sucks to say because Texas OU is always one of my favorites.
3: Yeah, and no, no state favorite Texas, uh, yeah the stadium won't be packed, uh, but, but boy, do both of those teams need to win. I think Tom Herman needs to win more than anybody else in the country today.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong with that, Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Sharp, you have a good weekend, buddy. Thanks for jumping on with us
3: as always guys thank
1: you all right there he is that's uh the iron horse so do you have a uh, uh a new friend in 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 the land of cranak you did, did you, you could, could you hear him in the background a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah tucker tell he's me good, about he's, you you said tucker right tucker yeah yeah uh,
2: tucker tucker Bob. you can't do that one yeah, no <laughs> uh he's yeah he's great he's he's uh the vet thinks he's half Sharpei, half Lab. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, he's got a, so he's a, he's got a few little wrinkles, but not really, not to the point where they're like folds, and you have to take a toothbrush in there and clean mm-hmm. out bacteria. Nothing like that. But he's got a couple little tiny folds. Well, but get, he's really low drama. Man. Get, he get him not, his red jersey. I, you know, I could. He's kind of a gold. He's kind of he's a ginger. Nah. He's 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 a redhead. Um, <laughs> really low drama. He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't do it like I work from home. He just mm-hmm. lays there the whole time. He doesn't care. Um, then you take him out and, you, you know, he wants to murder squirrels and who does make out with every dog and human that walks by. But I'd rather have that than have him be all vicious. No, I got you. Great. We'll get ready, man. Two weeks.
1: Oh, it's coming. All right. Here we go. Back at you Monday for Hail Varsity. Thanks for tuning in.